This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Venue reportedly set for AEW Full Gear, top New Japan Pro Wrestling star out for G1 Climax due to injury, and is Ric Flair officially canceled? I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. I'm back. I'm back. I apologize. I was gone for a little bit. Uh, over the summer, I worked a job. I worked at a summer camp for pediatric cancer, and uh, it was a heck of a run. Heck of a run of a summer. I met a lot of people that I hold near and dear to my heart. Uh, I had a fantastic time with the group of kids that we ended up winning Cabin of the Year, which is very, very special to me. Uh, it was a place in Harburg, New Jersey called Happiness is Camping, and uh, go give it a look if you can. They have a fantastic website over there as well, so uh a fantastic summer for me, and that was the main reason why I was gone. Now, I am at Ithaca College once again. I'm at college, and in the beginning, I wanted to start up my podcast right away with Fanside and everything like that, but uh, I moved into my room, and it was very, very echoey. I tried my best to make it not as echoey anymore. I have some padding up on the wall that shouldn't be up on the wall, given the fact that uh, no tapestries are allowed in uh, the apartments and stuff like that because it's still under uh, Ithaca College uh, ownership, so it's a long story, to be honest with you, but... I'm glad I'm back, and I'm glad I'm back here with you because that's something that I miss the most, coming here on this podcast, talking wrestling every day, giving you your news, giving you my thoughts on the shows from the day prior, and um, what a turn wrestling has made uh, since uh, I last was on this podcast. Uh, I last pre-recorded all those uh, seven days of, well, excuse me, the seven Deadly Sins of Pro Wrestling when I recorded those. Uh, They're still in the Thunderdome. Uh, you know, fans weren't back yet, and now obviously fans are back. Daniel Bryan's no longer with the WWE, he's in AEW. Same thing with Adam Cole, same thing with all these other guys and that have found their way over to AEW. Fans and attendance being an absolute a huge factor uh, to the success of pro wrestling today, right now. Uh, but also some stuff in pro wrestling that isn't too great, and we'll talk about that a little bit later when we get to the dark side of the ring stuff. So uh, if you're new to the podcast, once again, my name is Jaden Becker. Uh, Currently, I'm a student at Ithaca College, but I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. I've been following pro wrestling my whole entire life, pretty much. And uh, at the turn of the pandemic, I realized, you know what? Uh, I really enjoy this pro wrestling stuff, and I'm getting myself into sports media and sports broadcasting. Might as well make a podcast about it. And I contacted Fansided. We had a great agreement, and now I'm working here at Fansided, uh, making some fantastic pro wrestling content for you. And this is a daily podcast. I'll be back here every single day for you, giving you your pro wrestling news, my pro wrestling thoughts on the episode the day prior, whether that is an episode of Raw, NXT, AEW, SmackDown, a pay-per-view, what have you. And I'll give you my little thoughts, uh, a little something extra at the end of uh, every every show uh, that we'll see today as well. So I'm glad you're along for the ride, and uh, if you did know me over <laughs> summer camp, or you did know me over uh, the the summer or something like that, and we met and I mentioned the podcast to you, and you know absolutely nothing about pro wrestling, well, uh, first off, hi, hello, <laughs> thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting, And uh, but from this point on, you're going to have no clue what I'm talking about, so <laughs> just swallow that now, understand it, that uh, from here on out, from this point, uh, you're gonna, it's going to be way over your head, but for the pro wrestling fans here and everyone listening, let's get started. A venue is reportedly set for AEW Full Gear. The 2021 AEW Full Gear pay-per-view will report 
reportedly be held at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It has been noted in the past that Minneapolis would be the location of Full Gear, and Vice Full Select just reportedly uh, now that Target Center uh, and their sources there say that the show will be held there. WWE last ran the Target Center on July 30th for a live episode of SmackDown. AEW Full Gear will take place on Saturday, November 13th. Speaking of AEW, I will be heading to AEW Grand Slam in Queens, so I am taking the trip down uh, for tomorrow, and I couldn't be more excited. Couldn't be more excited for some uh, Grand Slam because they have a heck of a card there. I get to watch, obviously, the Dynamite that they're, that they're showing live and then the Rampage that they're recording for Friday, which both episodes, both cards are absolutely stacked. Top New Japan Pro Wrestling star out of G1 Climax due to injury. New Japan Pro Wrestling announced Tetsuya Naito is out of the G1 Climax 31 tournament due to a knee injury. The injury was sustained in his opening match on September 18th against Zack Sabre Jr., where Naito left with a meniscus and MCL damage. There's no timetable for his return to the ring. Get well soon, Naito. All right, we're going to get into last night's episode of Monday Night Raw, the show that is no longer reigning supreme in ratings when it comes to pro wrestling. Right now, that crown is going to SmackDown, and deservedly so. But, hey, we still got to talk about Monday Night Raw, given the fact that it is the flagship show, even though it's tough to get through three hours. And I feel like every time I, I do an episode of the pod, of Daily DDT Podcast, I always talk about how Raw is the toughest show to get through, especially in the tough days of the Thunderdome and where the storylines weren't going anywhere and it's just getting rough. Um, it sort of got to that point where three hours just way too much. But let's get into last night's show, and uh, we'll get, I'll give you my full thoughts through it. So, no woo in the show opener. Uh, Ric Flair, Dark Side of the Ring, Fallout because of that, uh, and uh, what was mentioned during the Dark Side of the Ring stuff. So I will get into that after the break, after all the uh, Monday Night Raw stuff, because I want to get into depth about that. That's not worth two sentences. That's worth a whole segment. So I will get into that there. But good to note that there was no woo from... Um, the opening of the show usually had the big bumper, the then, now, forever stuff. No woo there. To open the show for Monday Night Raw, a reunited New Day celebration. And oh my goodness, Big E looks so good with the belt around his waist. I know I say that a lot. I said that about the Miz. I said that about Lashley. I said that about McIntyre. Now I say this about Big E. I guess it's just something about the WWE Championship, given the fact that all what is consistent throughout is that the belt is being put on them. But specifically in Big E's case... I think he looks so good with that belt. It, there's just something about it aesthetically to me that's very pleasing. And uh, I, I couldn't be more happy for him for a guy that, that uh, truly, truly deserves it after everything he's gone through with the WWE for the past uh, nine or ten years. Biggie wearing a Fuji's ring gear uh, based off the album from back in the day and with New Day lettering instead of the word Fuji's, of course, but it was really, really nice. Uh, you deserve it, chance from the crowd. He gives thanks to all, including Brody Lee, saying uh, thanks to everyone below the heavens and ex- including one special friend that is in the heavens right now, and that is Brody Lee. And a uh, really, really touching moment, really touching sentiment from uh, Big E to do that because it truly uh, Brody Lee uh, was a, a lifelong friend for, for uh, Big E at once coming into the WWE. 
And uh, that connection obviously never broken. No matter where Brody Lee went after going, obviously leaving WWE and going to AEW, that connection was not broken. The bloodline enters, and uh, the, this is the return of Roman Reigns to the, uh, an episode of Monday Night Raw in about two years, which is a fun note there by commentary. And uh, a match was booked for this show. It wasn't a surprise, but the New Day versus the bloodline, and that match was coming up right after the New Day celebration, which was an absolute surprise to me because that's a match that could be worth months of building and and for it just to open up an episode of raw i guess it left a sour taste in my mouth uh in a way because you can take that match you could make that a wrestlemania match if you really needed to you make that a match at survivor series if you really needed to because that caliber of a match the new day arguably one of the greatest factions of all time in the bloodline you have the usos which is uh an historic tag team on their own and roman reigns which is arguably the greatest thing in pro wrestling we've seen in a very, very long time coming from the WWE. You build that match and you book it up for a month or two. That's a, a worthwhile match for a Survivor Series, for a Royal Rumble, for a SummerSlam, whatever. You know, the, you can do that, but um, for them to open up an episode of Raw with it, not even main event, open up an episode of Raw with it was, it was kind of disheartening. But either way, uh, the match gets underway. Reigns tags in secretly and uh, destroys Kofi Kingston on the outside. Biggie and Reigns trade blows, and uh, Biggie with some great suplexes. Biggie really working on those belly to bellies. Lashley enters and wrecks havoc on both New Day and the Bloodline. No disqualification is called because uh, Bobby Lashley's attacks were all on non legal members. Woods, the legal man uh, for the New Day, is distracted by Bobby Lashley and is speared by Roman Reigns. A bloodline win on the episode of Raw. Lashley spears Reigns after the match. Also spears Biggie through the barricade. So Lashley just re- wrecking havoc, wrecking havoc, and we'll see later on the night a match is made for Lashley, Reigns, and Biggie in a triple threat in the main event. No title on the line, but uh, this is a match I believe they've been working through in house shows. Uh, bouncing around the country, and uh, a couple people seen this match prior to it even happening, but now on an episode of Raw. Moving on to our next match, Eva Marie versus Dewdrop. Uh, I still hate the name, obviously. I think everyone hates the name, but you got to give credit to Piper Nevin because she's making the most out of it. Piper Nevin, obviously being the real name of Dewdrop, she coming over from NXT UK. It was a little bit of a slap in the face for her in the beginning, uh, obviously, given the fact that she was so successful in NXT UK, uh, and for her to come into now the main roster, and no one not really giving her the respect from what she did over in the UK, not like she's coming out of nowhere, coming from Evolve or something like that, but just coming from NXT UK, she's almost the equivalent of NXT, given the val- the the product that they're putting out. So it, it was kind of a slap in the face for her, but she, I got to give her a ton of credit because she's made the most out of it. You know, you, you take chicken crap and, and making chicken salad. That's what she's kind of done. You give her a tailbone gimmick and give her a tailbone name, and she's made the most out of it. You see her going up and down uh, ringside with uh, her jazz hands or spirit fingers, I think is what they called it. And uh, she's calling it Do the Dew Drop, and she's giving spirit fingers to everybody running across the, the barricade. So it works out for her. Uh, it really can be good, you know, that you, you, that, that is what I, I guess management for the WWE wants to see. They want to see people succeed under their own right uh, throughout the gimmicks that they give them. So, listen, it could all work out for Dewdrop if she keeps it up because we know that they're pushing her in a way, uh, given her victories over Eva Marie, which she had here on a crossbody. But Dewdrop, 
just a terrible name. <laughs> She's just making the most out of it. So I give her a ton of credit. Moving on to our next match, Randy Orton with Riddle versus AJ Styles with Omos. Orton in control throughout the early part of the match. Omos getting ejected after tripping Orton. Omos drills Riddle on the outside. And the distraction puts Styles in control. Small amount of blood over Orton's eye in this match. Styles pump fakes the phenomenal forearm on the outside. And Orton looks for the RKO at the same time. And they do a Spider-Man meme point at each other. Like, oh, I almost got you. And he almost got me too. So that was pretty uh funny there. Orton hits his draping DDT and connects with a charged up RKO to win the match. Orton comes out on top. Randy Orton and Riddle RK Bro, hottest thing in tag team wrestling right now in the WWE. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic what they're able to do for something that wasn't supposed to go long for something that that i believe was supposed to be very very short and might have even been supposed to end in orlando uh when they uh, almost split up there when orton hit um riddle with the rko a lot of people thought that was going to be the end of it there and then orton and riddle would go into a match somewhere further down the line but uh, people love them so much that they kept them together put the belts on them at SummerSlam. And uh, continue to push them higher, higher, and higher. Uh, It's the perfect yin and yang. It's the absolute perfect yin and yang that I think is almost the equivalent of a rock and sock connection where uh, you might not remember their matches, but you remember their gimmicks. You remember what they do, uh, everything outside of the ring, which makes them so, so special. So I give a lot of credit to Warren and Riddle for what they're able to do. I give a lot of credit to the WWE for what they've been able to do with Omos and how strong they've been able to make him look. And AJ Styles going along for the ride as well. Nothing, no, no skin off of Styles' back. I'm not saying that, but you know, for him to continue to go along with success. Uh, there as well that tag team division for raw is getting slowly built up to back where it should be and uh, i i still think wwe should consolidate their tag team division uh as a whole and make one true belt much like how AEW has one true belt for their tag team division i think wwe would benefit from doing the same there moving on to our next match Shayna baszler versus nia Jax. a clunky match early on and baszler with good strikes as well. Before I get deeper into this match, because it wasn't really a long match, but before I get deeper, um, it, this pairing of Baszler and Jax was the epitome of the podcast back in the day, back in uh, February, March, April, uh, when we were, we were going consistently daily because we were just talking about women's tag team wrestling nonstop here on the podcast, mostly because... You want to see the success of it, and the Baszler and Jax were the face of it at the time. You wanted to see the success of it, but WWE wasn't given to the time of day. It started to go here nor there. It was it was just a wild ride for Baszler and Jax, and now for me to come back to continue this podcast stuff, do the daily, daily DDT podcast on a daily basis, and now for this to come to an end on this day, yeah, it's kind of a full circle for me. <laughs> it was kind of an emotional moment. Like, wow, you know, I talked about all this women's tag team wrestling stuff, and now for for this story to come to an end now, you know, it was it was kind of a, a moment. So <laughs> let's leave it at that. Jax passes out from the Carafuda clutch after the match. Baszler attacks Jax on the outside, attacks Jax's arm on the ring steps as Jax begs for mercy, and then Jax screams in agony after her arm is absolutely crushed by Shayna Baszler stomping on it on the 
ring step. So Baszler coming out on top here with the victory, but continuing with her heel presence, uh, which I feel like Baszler can even go into a, a face presence. She didn't really need to do this. Uh, I think Baszler, I know it sounds weird, but she could work pretty well as a face given her in-ring talent and her striking ability and stuff like that. It can get over as a face, I believe, especially after this whole dynamic with Jax, where Jax could have been the heel running forward, because Jax works fine as a heel. They even make her as a comedic relief at some point, so maybe that's the direction that they're going, to make Jax comedic relief and make Baszler a true heel uh, for either Flair or Bliss competition going forward. But uh, we already seen Bliss, uh, Baszler. We, I believe we've already seen Baszler, Flair, so uh, it's it's... It's a little thin there in Raw right now, but uh, I think they're going to have to find a way, especially with the uh, NXT mixing all the stuff up. Moving on to our next match, Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza tag-teaming against Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. We've seen Mustafa Ali and Mansoor a little bit, but this is the first time we're seeing Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza together. Carrillo and Garza are real-life cousins, and uh, it's, it's a little odd or out of the blue I think is the best way to put it to throw these guys together now but I guess you're giving them both work which is a good thing and two at the same time uh it it, it builds up the raw tag team division because now you have a legitimate tag team here of it's not like you're throwing two random guys together it makes sense they're family so that all works out there action falls outside with Garza and Korea in control a drop kick to the neck of Ali gives the new duo of Carrillo and Garza the win. So uh, putting them over Ali and, and Mansoor, uh, even though it was not putting over the top tag team, still putting them over, I guess you can call it an established tag team that's been building for a while. Moving on to our next match, a women's tag team championship match, Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley versus Natalia and Tamina. Ripley and Ash give a speech about pediatric cancer and Connor's cure. And a fantastic speech from both. Nikki Ash was more the, the front person for this speech. And Rhea Ripley had a few lines to say, but she was very emotional giving this speech. So it was almost uh, tough to watch because it was so tough for her to get through it. But I think we could all feel that emotion uh, radiating through the screen for Rhea Ripley. As we get into the match, Natalia is distracted by Ripley hitting Tamina with the Riptide on the ring apron. Ash rolls up Natalia to win the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. It was a giveaway, I think, from the beginning because they dedicated the match to uh, children with pediatric cancer and all the kids out there and anyone that's ever been affected by pediatric cancer. So for them to lose the match after that, it's not going to be a, a good look. But either way, fine match, maybe a little bit too short. Uh, for but then again, it is an episode of Raw. It is the go home show to Extreme Rules at the same time. So you, the, whatever they're not going to be able to fit onto the Extreme Rules card, I guess they're going to have had to do at Raw, and what SmackDown's going to have to do as well at on their episode coming up on Friday. So uh, I get the idea, and I'm fine with it. Ash and Ripley being women's tag team champions. Uh, I guess they're quasi-established, Ash and Ripley. And uh, Natalia and Tamina have been super established for the longest time. I don't think this hurts the the division at all, in a way. I just because it, it's to a point where you can't really hurt it any much more than it is. 
So, uh, you know, I guess you put the belt on somebody else and it gives the division a fresh start and a new chance to be better than what it was, but it can't be worse than what we've seen it be in the past, this tag team women's division for the WWE. So for the longest time, I, I barely even wanted to talk about it because I felt like WWE didn't want me to talk about it. So, you know, what well, if the WWE doesn't want me to talk about that division, you know, maybe I just shouldn't because it, they're not giving me any reason to. They're not giving me any love or any direction to. I, I want to talk about it. I beg to talk about it because there's a chance it could be so fantastic because there's so many stories to tell. But uh, WWE doesn't give me the chance to do that often. So um, let's just leave it at that. Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley are the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And let's see what they can do with it going forward. Moving on to our next segment, Alexa's Playground. This is with Charlotte Flair. And uh, Flair with a, a couple, both from, both Flair and Bliss had a couple great moments on the microphone, uh, jabbing each other back and forth. Flair wants to uh, remind everyone that Bliss used to be a competitor in the WWE. Bliss uh, brings back Charlie the Doll. Uh, which is supposed to resemble Charlotte Flair. Flair doesn't want Charlie. She wants the once five foot of fury, Alexa Bliss. Uh, that was once a championship material, not only championship material, but was once champion for the, uh, I believe she was Raw Women's Champions, uh, SmackDown Women's Champion. So uh, obviously fantastic talent, Alexa Bliss, but has been put in that direction since. Uh, and Bliss was with a, a great personal jab against uh, Charlotte Flair, saying that uh, what is Flair without a title? And uh, I don't think a lot of us even know what Flair is without a title. WWE for sure doesn't know what Flair is without a title. You know, they, they put the belt on her so often. It's tough to remember when she isn't holding a either a Raw championship or a SmackDown Women's Championship, or even a tag team championship. She makes her return, and then out of nowhere, she's put, put on with the belts uh, with her and, and Asuka just out of the blue. Because what is Charlotte Flair without a title? So... Great point there by Alexa Bliss, and uh, even makes you think a little bit like, yeah, you know, what is Charlotte Flair without a championship? How long can she go working feuds if it has nothing to do with the belt? Uh, you know, we give Flair a lot of credit because she's a fantastic in-ring competitor, and also the same light, she is a fantastic champion. She She's just a great title holder. That's why they put the belt on her so much. It's just, you know, what does Charlotte Flair really look like if she goes, let's say, on a McIntyre run after, you know, I'm just saying from a recency standpoint, McIntyre, he's going on a relatively decent run without the WWE Championship. Uh, but what will she look like if she went on that similar type run? So that's a pretty good question there to ask. The two brawl and Flair rips the head off Charlie and looks to do the same to Lily, but Bliss saves. So obviously Lily being the doll of Alexa Bliss. So, you know, they're going to have a fun match at Extreme Rules. I really think so. I think there might be some shenanigans there as well from a, a mythical standpoint or from a, a hocus-pocus standpoint and Alexa Bliss's end. But uh, WWE might be trying to turn away from that given that uh, Bray Wyatt is a free agent. So, you know, I think they might try to turn away from that and uh, try to find uh, something new for Alexa Bliss to do, possibly. Moving on to the 24-7 championship, uh, they had a small segment where Reginald was almost caught in a net, uh, but R-Truth, Gulak, uh, Kiritazana, and uh, Drake Maverick, uh, they all failed to get the pin. So even though they all teamed up for a moment to try and get the 24-7 title, they were not successful moving on to our next match Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy if Hardy wins this match he's added to the United States Championship match at extreme rules between Sheamus and Damian Priest 
Sheamus is in control as action falls outside early. Hardy fights back and connects with the twist of fate, and Sheamus knees up the swanton bomb. But Hardy with a sunset flip into a pinfall to win and is now in the Extreme Rules match as it is now a triple threat uh, between Sheamus... Uh, Damian Priest, who is the United States champion, and now Jeff Hardy getting himself involved as well. Priest and Sheamus brawl on the outside. I'm fine with this as long as Priest goes over. Uh, it's his time. You know, we have Sheamus, we know he can do great things. We might even see him get a, uh, another championship run uh, if he gets uh, drafted over to SmackDown with the Intercontinental Championship. That's definitely possible. Jeff Hardy, he's doing his best to get everybody over. I know a lot of people were up in arms when he was running around for the 24-7 title. Now, obviously, a men's made. He's back in a title picture for the United States Championship. So yeah, I think Jeff Hardy's in a point in his career where he just comes to work. They, he does whatever is said. And it's simple as that. We can be upset as fans. That That is perfectly fine. We can be upset as fans. But we have to look at the, the realness of it and say, you know, he's at a point where he's not going to do much for the company anymore when it comes to winning a WWE championship or a universal championship, even though it would be fun for fans to see. He's, he's not at that level anymore um, in the WWE. Now, if he went over to AEW and started working with his brother, Hardy, you know, do they have a chance of winning the AEW Tag Team Championships? Possibly. Possibly, uh, but once again, I'm not sure because maybe they're both that obviously Hardy is Matt Hardy, and Jeff might be there as well, where they're both just ready to put over a new talent. So that how fantastic would that be to see Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy over in AEW putting over great talent? Not saying lose every match, obviously, but you know being the ones to facilitate the future of tag team wrestling. That would be really really nice to see. All right, moving on to our main event: Roman Reigns versus Bobby Lashley versus Big E. A uh, huge match, as I mentioned, that was worked through in a lot of house shows. Uh, and this is obviously a pay-per-view worthy match, given the fact you have the WWE champion, the Universal champion, and Bobby Lashley, the former WWE champion. Uh, obviously very odd to see this on the episode of Raw, but hey, they guess they kind of have to match up against a supercar that's been built for Grand Slam coming up this Wednesday. Uh, this was also the fastest Roman Reigns entrance I've seen in probably his, obviously since his return, but he pretty much hastily walked his way down to the ring and Paul Heyman waddling behind him, holding the belt up. So uh, it, it was a very quick entrance, Roman Reigns, I, I noted uh, in my notes here because I was like, huh, he really got down there fast. Uh, Biggie's spot as this match um, gets underway, his spot where he splashes onto the uh, ring apron and crushes someone there, I love that spot. It reminds me, I said it before, uh, when this episode, these episodes were running long back in um, May and, and, and June and all stuff like that. But uh, what I found so great about that spot onto the apron reminds me a lot of Undertaker's leg drop onto the apron where it's a spot you can see consistently every match. Uh, but it's it's a high spot where everyone pops for it. So I really enjoyed the Hope he keeps on doing that. A great powerbomb suplex spot from all three. Reigns getting beat up pretty bad in this match, but Reigns has... Uh, Obviously, we all understand how great Roman Reigns is right now in the WWE. He's willing to take a beating. He's willing to sell these punches and sell these kicks and all these spots. And uh, he even had Lashley pick him up and, and have him there for a delayed uh, suplex there for, for a long, long time, it, it felt like. Um, but he's willing to do all this. And still, even he, the reason why he doesn't goes through all this because he's going to get put over at the end of the match. So Biggie driven through the announce table. Biggie recovers and spears Roman 
to the outside and a big ending, but Lashley saves with a chair. Roman Reigns spears Lashley as he prepares to hit Big E again with another chair shot to win the match. So Roman Reigns goes over, but as we've seen it all in Roman's pay-per-view matches recently throughout the past year, we know that he has no problem taking a beating as long as he gets over at the end, in which he's been consistently been over at the end, but rightfully so, given that he is... Uh, the top guy at WWE right now, hands down, no question about it. So, uh, silent match and a solid episode of Raw. I'm going to give it a B. I really thought that they pulled out all the stops here. I think the main focus, and if Roman Reigns wasn't on this card, it wouldn't be a B. But Roman Reigns being there puts it at that level. A couple great matches on this card as well. The only thing really holding it back was the Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax stuff. I guess they did decent storytelling there. Uh, obviously, a title change being fun as well. Puts it at a B, and uh, Eva Marie and Dewdrop lowers it for me a little bit, obviously just because Eva Marie being involved. But, um, yeah, solid episode of Raw, but I don't think it's going to stand even close to what AEW is about to put out on uh, on Wednesday. So uh, I, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I really can't wait to see what's going to happen going forward in the world of pro wrestling. And, um, yeah, we're really going to have a fun time. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about some Dark Side of the Ring Fallout, an episode that was released this past Thursday about the plane ride from hell. So uh, it, it was an episode that was going to go down in history as something that possibly changes the pro wrestling world forever. And I know it's that's saying a lot about a documentary, but uh, there was a couple of things that really got pulled out from here, an expose, if you will, of uh, some talent that really uh, never got their repercussions. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on September 21st, 1938, Salvador Luthero Gonzalez promoted his first card of professional wrestling under the banner of Empras Mexicana de la Lucha Libre. Today, the promotion is known as CMLL. And which is translated to the World Wrestling Council, CMLL, uh, promotion that is down in Mexico still to this day. It has been the world's oldest surviving promotion since Jim Crockett Promotions was sold in 1988. Moving from 1988 to now, 2002. Going to be talking about some Dark Side of the Ring and the plane ride from hell. This past Thursday, Vice premiered the second half of season three of Dark Side of the Ring and its series. The episode features stories from the uh, obviously infamous plane ride from hell. For those who don't know what the plane ride from hell is, WWF took their uh, yearly Europe tour and commissioned a private jet for in-ring talent and agents. A seven-hour weather delay, a seemingly unlimited amount of alcohol, and a full roster of talent on the plane led to crazy moments like X-Pac cutting off Michael Hayes' ponytail to moments that are now being revealed and realized as sexual assault as Ric Flair has been accused of forcing himself on a flight attendant and Scott Hall licking that same flight attendant. This flight attendant isn't nameless. Her name is Heidi Doyle and worked as a lead flight attendant for Sportsjet LLC. She was interviewed for the Dark Side of the Ring and told her entire story. Ric Flair and Scott Hall weren't the only two that had been caught in the net of the episode by Vice. Brock Lesnar was accused by Terry Reynolds to have exposed himself in front, in front of her, and not during the uh, plane ride, but during a, a moment in the locker room overseas, and uh, was told not to sell it as this was the norm. 
and uh, Tommy Dreamer, although not directly involved with the plane ride from hell in the stories told, caught plentiful backlash from his comments which seemingly victim-blamed Heidi Doyle in her accusations of Ric Flair. Since the episode, Tommy Dreamer has been suspended by Impact Wrestling and Dreamer has released an apology. Let's get into this a little bit. Let's just talk about this for a moment. I opened up the show, this whole show, talking about if Ric Flair is officially canceled. But we've all heard stories about this plane ride from hell. We, it's been animated. It's been told plenty of times in a joking sense. It's been told uh, in a way. I think Jim Cornette said it best at one point, so saying that, oh, this is just a, a boys will be boys story. When now all this information comes out, this is not a boys will be boys story anymore. This is a story of, of serious le- legitimacy here where Ric Flair uh, is being accused of being, uh, you know, sexually assaulting somebody. Scott Hall uh, doing the same. And it, these are all accusations still currently. But uh, for this to come out now, 20 years later, and obviously in the climate that we're in, in in the world, it's really good to take a step back and realize, you know, people idolize Ric Flair. People idolize Scott Hall in, in a wrestling perspective. People idolize uh, Tommy Dreamer and what he did for the business from an, an extreme standpoint, quote-unquote, for ECW. You know, people love Brock Lesnar. You know, people love these guys. And we realize now, as we, we take a step back from our bubble of professional wrestling, and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we look at uh, all these, you know, they say never meet your heroes and all stuff like that. And you look and it's like, whoa, maybe Ric Flair isn't that great of a guy. You know, the ESPN 30 for 30 that came out by Ric Flair talked about a lot of his demons in the past and alcohol being a problem, sex addiction being a problem for Ric Flair and everything like that. But uh, it was always said that he never laid a hand on a woman uh, from from a, an assault standpoint, from a harassment standpoint, anything like that. He said it was always consensual. But now for something like this to come out, you know, a lot of people have Ric Flair on their Mount Rushmores, you know. And even throughout the documentary, um, it, it was mentioned that uh, Kurt Henning, he was let go because of a, a prank that was pulled on on the plane, he, he smashed uh, Brock Lesnar over the head with whipped cream or shaving cream or something along those lines, and they, they fought on the plane, almost uh, opening the plane door. Uh, that, that At least that's the story that was told. So he was let go. Uh, Scott Hall was let go for uh, what, what what he did, uh, for, for, I guess, for the accusations uh, against him, and also along the lines of uh, him being absolutely, had, had to be carted out of the plane by X-Pac, because of how intoxicated he was, you know, in a drunken stupor. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, he was fined for uh, spitting his dip into the, I guess, you know, where they had those magazines in the in the plane where you pull back the, the seat tray, and you, like, he was spitting into that, so he was fined for that. So everyone had uh, little bits and pieces here. You either fired or you were fined, but Ric Flair... Who committed and was accused of committing an act of sexual assault? He was not fined. He was not fired, and Jim Ross said it that he he, he believes that Ric Flair was at such a level that he was given a pass. He was given a pass for sexual assault. So that's obviously not a great look for WWE now. Looking back, nineteen years later, twenty years later. Currently, right now, Ric Flair has none of his merchandise on WWEShop.com. As we mentioned earlier in the beginning of the episode of Raw, 
Uh, he His woo is no longer in the uh, forefront of the the open, where the Fen Now and Forever stuff, even though there was a bunch of woos throughout the episode of Monday Night Raw because of Charlotte Flair, his daughter. Um, Ric Flair now, we're, we're beginning to question, is this it for him? Is he going to be given the Hogan treatment, like how Hogan once was for racial slurs in the past? Is he possibly going to be given the Benoit treatment? I don't think to that extent he will be, given that that was a, a murder. Uh, so it, it was... It, it's something now that as wrestling fans, we have to look at ourselves and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to take the greatest wrestler of all time, uh, arguably, from an in-ring perspective and on the microphone? Are we going to take him and wipe him away from history? But are we justified to do so? I'm not saying wipe him away from history, but are we going to no longer put him on the pedestal that we once had him on as wrestling fans? And I think that might be a fair thing to do. You know, a lot of us don't hold Hulk Hogan to the same pedestal that we once had him on in the past uh, after racial slurs and after his run in the early 2000s. But once again, it's understandable. There's a reason why we do those things. You know, we can talk about Ric Flair's wrestling career all we want, and we can hold it to the highest standard possible. You know, we, we, we can talk about his wrestling career and what he did for other people and and uh, what he did for the business and uh, how enthralling he made a show, how enthralling he made the world of pro wrestling because of the character that he was on screen. But once that on-screen persona of his moved over to the off-screen, and which he said in the past that he had problems turning on and off. And the, honestly, there was never an off switch for Ric Flair. It was always on. He was always the nature boy. So as wrestling fans, I think we kind of have to realize that, hey, we can put Ric Flair on Mount Rushmore. We can put Hogan on our Mount Rushmore. We can put all these guys, but only from a wrestling perspective. Because once we look outside of that, and I think once we look outside of that for a lot of wrestlers, and especially throughout the Attitude Era and the Ruthless, Ruthless Aggression Era, once we look at that, we kind of have to take a step back and say, whoa, yeah, they're, they're not great people. They're not great people. So they say never meet your heroes, and I think it, this might be a good reason why, uh, given the fact that these accusations coming out now uh, about Ric Flair are definitely something to look at. And people might say, oh, it's been too much time and all this stuff like that. I, I, I shoot him to the side. You know, if they could put Bill Cosby in jail for what he did years, 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 way longer if you're looking at statutes of limitation or you're looking at um, anything along those lines. If, you, if, if you're looking at how long ago something was, you think about Bill Cosby in jail for that, they could put Ric Flair in jail for the same exact thing. And uh, especially with how they're talking about H-bombs and putting pills in people's drinks and stuff like that as a, as a joke, as a rib. It, it's one thing. It's, it's not even one thing. It's, a, it's just something that you should not be doing, you know. It's just something you should just not be doing. And I'm kind of glad that, you know, even those these are, these are I wouldn't even call them, they're not fun stories, but even though these are infamous stories that have been told and now they're being documentaries made about them, I'm glad now that uh, Undertaker recently came out with a quote saying that, oh, all these, all these wrestlers do now, all these guys do now on the rosters play video games. Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe video games is a lot better than drugging other people. So I apologize, Taker. I apologize. But maybe that's a little bit better than what was going on in the past. So uh, either way, if you haven't had a chance to watch the documentary by Vice uh, on the uh, plane ride from Mel, uh, I highly recommend you do so so you get your, your full thoughts and opinions. You're not just listening to mine. 
Get your full thoughts throughout it and uh, come back to me. Hit me up on Twitter at Jaden Becker TV. Let me know what you thought, and um, we'll, we'll see where where everyone's heads at because it's it's important discussion to have at this point with the, with the way that the world is and the way that pro wrestling is. It's a good conversation to have as a whole. All right, we're gonna take a look at tonight's episode of NXT, and uh, the only match announced currently on the show is uh, and the NXT Cruiserweight Championship match with Kushida defending against Roderick Strong, but obviously there's going to be a lot more involved, but that's the only thing on the card for tonight. All right, that's it for this episode. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Jaden Becker TV. I haven't done this in a while, so bear with me. Bear with me. Uh, I highly appreciate you all for listening, and thank you for welcoming me back into your ears and into your podcast streaming. Uh, I can't wait to be here with you every day talking about pro wrestling. So uh, see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DGT Podcast.